Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. My name is Joe O'Brien. And I am Troy the Insomniac LaValle. <laughs> I can't uh, sleep, Joe. You can't sleep. I cannot sleep to save my life. I, I, I go to bed at night. I usually, I've been going to bed earlier these days now that I'm 100 years old. Uh, I'm <laughs> what like, is earlier? I'm talking like 11, 11.30. Oh. You know, I bartended for very late. 15 years and I was going to, I would finish work at 4 a.m. So I wasn't yeah. getting home and in bed till 5.30. So it took me a long time to get back to like a normal human schedule. But now I go to bed 11, 11.30, sometimes midnight. And I wake up two hours later and I am wide awake. <laughs> wide awake. I put on Cartoon Network. It's usually like Family Guy, American Dad, Cleveland Show, Rick and Morty reruns. And I just watch that for like two more hours, hoping that I can, that it'll lull me back to sleep. And nothing happens. My brain will not stop moving. And I think it has a lot to do with this show. So I'm hereby leaving the show. <laughs> I was going to say, is this all coming down from GCP pressure? I, you know, my brain, I just keep, I'll, I'll keep replaying scenes uh, from the show. I'll, and this happens with television shows or, or I'll like, I'll, I'll count things over and over again. I can't stop my brain from working. And, and like, we're so stressed out trying to get Starfinder on its feet because there's just a million things that go into doing this that I'm running through my head. All these things. We got to get a recording space. We got to find a girl. We got to da 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 And I just, I'm sweating and I'm getting angrier and angrier. And then my cats are jumping on my face, and I'm just like, ah, ah, what a scream! You know they have pills for this kind of thing. I, you know, I just I want to keep it natural. Yet probably the reason I can't sleep is there's just 19 craft beers running through my system. So I don't know why well, I won't yeah. just take melatonin. Exactly. The other thing is like going to bed at 11:30 is not exactly the best for for the body. If you yeah. go to bed earlier and get up at five o'clock, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind getting up at 5 o'clock if I slept straight through seven, eight hours, but I don't. I go to bed and wake up two hours later. You could set your watch to it. I don't need an alarm clock. I could get up two hours later and I'm wide awake. I don't mind getting up at five. I love getting up with the sun, but I want to get seven, eight hours of sleep to try and like recharge my batteries. But nope, my batteries are dead. So what are you doing in the middle of the night? Are you reading uh, the Starfinder Core rulebook? I no, I'm staring at the ceiling praying for death. <laughs> All right, starting this one off on a dark note here. Uh, it's Minderhall's Valley, man. It's infecting us all. <laughs> it is infecting us all. It is seeping into our minds from, from just playing this game. This whole episode, episode 124, we are just working our way back to the cathedral. Yes. That's the whole episode. There's no particular encounters. The one thing we're rolling on is the worm rot, right? Lexington sure. has worm rot. Ooh. Della has worm rot. Gross. Luckily, Dell is able to cast Bear's Endurance, which helps us out a little bit. I roll a natural one on Lexington's save, his first save. Yeah. So whereas Della gets those two saves in a row, Lexington gets one save and then fails yeah. another one. And it just keeps going. This is a concern for me. Yeah. This is con damage every single day. <sighs> That's the one damage that can kill you. <laughs> What a shame. Couldn't be charisma damage. It's a real ugly wolf. Nope. That's going to be a dead wolf. Yeah, a real ornery wolf. No, no. This one is going to be a dead wolf. No, yeah. I mean, you're making it up with every um, every day of rest. You're getting one point back. As sure. long as you don't roll too, too harshly on it, and I can eventually get those two saves in, I can make it happen. But 
talk about a stressful situation in general. I, I, I looked up the rules, actually, because I was kind of concerned about this. If I were to lose Lexington, I know it would take days and days. I know it's unlikely. But if it does happen... Uh, I looked up about a, a cavalier versus like a ranger, right? Because that's what I was used to. So a ranger right. has an animal companion. If that animal companion dies, a ranger has to, I think, pray or mourn for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then they can uh, – a, a divine intervention can put a new uh, – I was going to say mount, but a new animal companion uh, with you. For a cavalier – if you lose your mount, it's a full week of mourning wow. that you have to do. Oh, so it's mourning is part of the mechanic. Yeah, mourning wow. is part of the mechanic before you're able to attach to a new mount. That's kind of cool. I really like that. I like that yeah. that's the way. And and in this game, I mean, it's really going to come down to timing. I mean, it seems like Lexington might be okay. I don't know if he's going to make these saves. It might just sure. be a slow death. It would take a lot of really, really bad rolls in a row. Uh, from you and me to, to right. make it happen. It's unlikely, but if it did, yeah, I just wanted to kind of check in on the rules. Yeah, then Sir Will just has to walk around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like walk around sword and shield and just sort of, you know, do little bits of damage and heal people and just I, try to... I mean, I personally wanted to see that for a long time. I want to see Sir Will without the mount just make it and happen. Yeah. He's you too tried tied to that mount. You tried in the uh, well. You tried in this episode too. You're like, are you still going to ride him? Because his con was down to like 14. I mean, that's like, just cruel. Yeah, I'm going to ride him. <laughs> what are you talking about? I tried to get you off that wolf in the first encounter. Pretty much, like, can't go downstairs. Right, exactly. It's all excited. It's become an ongoing joke of the show. They're just trying to. Well, wolf can't possibly go downstairs, right? <laughs> Actually, I forgot to mention one part of the uh, morning period, which I think that you'll really appreciate. You get the. Uh, mount right you can get a new mount after a week but the mount doesn't gain link evasion devotion or improved evasion these are all things that haven't really come up much because lexington hasn't gotten attacked a whole lot sure but they do have this devotion factor they do have this link factor where uh they get your uh abilities hit dice whatever that kind of stuff and uh you do not get those things with the new mount until you level up in cavalier So it's like you have to wait until the level up to pass all those that really intense connection onto uh, onto the mount. That kind of forces your hand to have to stick go cavalier next level. Yeah, I don't even know a hundred percent that I have to go cavalier. It might be character level. I'm not sure, but I I think that it might be uh, cavalier. But according to the rules, it says the next time the cavalier gains a level. It doesn't say in your next cavalier level. I'm sure I could do some hand waving. but, I mean, it's not going to matter. I've killed your Wolverine. I've killed your badger, whatever the other thing was. Bear. <laughs> I'm going to kill this wolf. <laughs> I'm going to kill this damn wolf. I literally could not think of what it was. I was like, badger? Was that what Barry was? Well, that's why it's Barry? important to know the rules, man. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, we are making our way back. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, obviously, you pointed out a few different paths. Sure. Obviously, we've been in the valley for an unconscionable amount of time. Though I think if we weren't recording the game, it would feel a lot different. I think that it would, I think it w- we would be more likely to even explore more at this point yeah, if we yeah. were not recording the game. And I just kind of that, that's just my feeling. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you if if you felt like we really needed to get back to the cathedral at this point uh, for the show, and if so, 
Why didn't you just hand wave the whole way back and say, roll a couple rolls when you're back at the cathedral? Sure, sure. Well, I, I wanted there to be the threat of danger. You know, I wanted there to, I, I didn't want to just be like, and you're back. You know, it just makes the valley seem less dangerous. And, and overall, yeah. it's been a, a you know a big giant death trap that you guys have evaded for the most part. Right. Um, I also wanted to give you guys an opportunity to role play. Um, not that we haven't had a lot of that, especially in the 19 hour episode from last week. <laughs> but, I, you know, this this to me feels like, there's a good chance this is the last time this group is going to get to talk together. Right, you know alone, I mean? just and, this group. And yeah. like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to project that, I, you know, that, that I'm going to kill one of you because who knows. But I know that what's coming up is very, very dangerous. So I wanted to give this opportunity for the players to have one last chance, perhaps, yeah. to talk to one another. Sure, and I think that from my perspective, at least, it looks like if this episode finishing up with the reuniting of everybody, now it doesn't really seem like there's going to be people that stay back and people that go forward. I mean, maybe there will, but it could be a mixed bag of who does go out. I mean, at this point, we have everything we need. The cathedral's right there. This is, from my view, the end of the line. You know, in terms of the valley, and everybody's there. So it might not just be these four plus umlo, these five characters alone for such a long period of time. I think starting next week, the entire way things are done is going to change. You've got now 19 people in this party. You know what I mean? It's like a TLC <laughs> in show. one big old sweaty tent. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's just no way we can separate these stories anymore. These stories are all together. And finally, all these characters are now the main story. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to what comes next in that regard. I mean, I don't know what Lork can do. I'm really not sure about it, but I have been thinking about it, and I want to get him more involved. But it's going to be it's going to be tough. But let's not project too far ahead. There's there's role playing here that you brought up that we haven't really discussed, which is tensions are rising, mm-hmm. and the 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 memory that you brought up of you reminded the group that it was one week ago that Barry Connick Jr. was killed mm-hmm. in that encounter, and that kind of got Della's blood up, and she sort of went at Nestor. And he, you know, you think in character is just basically like, yeah, I don't care about a bear. I don't see why you do either. And Della's really upset about it. Yeah. Maybe that was a wake-up call for Della, in a way, um, to the realities of what's going on. Um, I don't know. I mean, Della's just, uh, she is mad at the world. Yeah. And Nestor's not helping her at all. Yeah, I mean, she feels like a bit of a lone wolf right now. Mm -hmm. You know, she's kind of, uh, she doesn't have a solid relationship with Sir Will. She doesn't have a solid relationship with Nestor. She seemed to be growing one. Um, But then then again, sometimes, you know, friends get in tiffs. You know, it it is, it was, Matthew mentioned it in the show. Sometimes with all of this adventuring together, some of the edges get frayed, but it doesn't mean that we're not still a solid group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, together, you guys work really well. But when you sit down and chat, it's not super friendly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it really never has been. There's been like two or three days where it's been friendly. Yeah. Um, and as Skid said, there's just such fundamental differences in mm-hmm. the goals of these characters, in their backgrounds, and what they believe in. It's, they're so different so wide-ranging that you're going to inevitably have these kind of tense conversations about what to do. And now, uh, and this goes into Sir Will's role play and his prayer time, is it it is all coming down to a really serious, religious, philosophical, moral, ethical question for him that, uh, not question, decision for him that is coming, Mm -hmm. that he has to, that he has to answer. And, and it seems like it's, it's right around the corner. So I don't really know yet how that's going to go, but just kind of a peek into his head we get in this episode about 
the the difficulties of the moral decisions as a religious person, as a paladin, who is slowly gaining back his powers, and and is told that he has to do something for another god, and and that thing might be for the greater good. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, you've all had the opportunity to put off really thinking about what you're going to do, and you've even said, like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But now, and that's another reason I wanted to play this walk back um, in real, quote, unquote, real time, because I want you guys to start really having to make that decision. Well, did you expect it to take as long as you did? And I'll ask, because, I mean, this is behind the scenes. We mm-hmm. It took us a while to get this episode up and running, because you were uh, preparing maps or, or something that was coming up. And uh, you're like, I, I just need this to be ready. And you had a computer, your computer crashed. Yeah, my computer And died. your hero lab all went down. And so you were like, oh, I got to get these stats and I got to make sure everything. And we were delayed like almost an hour dealing with this computer issue. Yeah. So we got it up and running. <laughs> I mean, you ne- obviously never needed any any of it. So did you expect it to move quicker, to us to get to something faster? Uh, and what was that thing? I think I just, when I sit down, I want to take as long as possible before we start recording because I'm so afraid it won't be good. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that I'll just find any excuse to stall just because I'm so, I just want it to be the best episode it can be every single week. And so if I can keep stalling, I can keep thinking about new and interesting things that I can do to try and spice things up. And then. So your computer never crashed? No, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> We're recording on it right now. No, it crashed. That's <laughs> motive. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, that, that, that happens to me a lot. I'm just like always apprehensive about starting because I just want it to be so good. And that's why I pepper in things like this little glimpse into Nestor's past that we did at the beginning. Because I want to, I just want to kind of change the way we do things, especially as we prepare to launch a second weekly show. I really want the show to take on, uh, I, I just want us to be able to do things in a different way than just like, you know, encounter, a little bit of role play. I, I want to do more with this game. I want to do more with Pathfinder. And I, I think that I get nervous sometimes that it's not going to work. But you're never going to know what's going to work and what's not going to work unless you try it. Right. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it doesn't have to just be about a show. This is something that everybody deals with. I mean, if you zero it in, there is that that moment, those few minutes before you begin a session as a GM, at least for me, where you're nervous about getting it started, uh, how to start the session the best way, how to transition from everybody just sitting around joking, talking, having some chips to like (laughs) settling into something, especially if you have something big or more serious happening in your game. You're like, all right, guys, I, I need everybody's attention now. I need to call everything into the zone and open the curtain so to speak on the, on the show for tonight all gms i think struggle with that moment it's like when do you actually start when are you really ready and you've said it before you're never ready no you're never ready you just got to go in that's why we get emails from people all the time like i'm thinking about starting gming what should i do just do it it's going to be terrible you know what i mean but you're <laughs> going to learn along the way that's what i did when you guys kind of forced gming upon me if we wanted to do another adventure path you're like well you're gonna to have to run it i was like i have no idea how to gm all right i'll try it and i made a million mistakes um but yeah at the end of the day you're never really ready you just got to jump in and and i'm still 124 episodes in i still feel sick to my stomach before we start just because not only do i want the audience to enjoy it but i want you guys to enjoy it yeah nothing disappoints me more 
more when I put hours of preparation into something and I lay it out there and it's like no reaction. <laughs> Come on, guys. Or like, wait, who is that person again? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I spent so much time. Do your research. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I, I, uh, I, I liked that we, we had this moment together. And like I said, this, this might be the last time these people get to have these conversations. And so you really have to think about like every word you say to your ally could be the last. Yeah. So think about that. How is that how you want uh, you know the, that memory to be of that person? You know, you, I don't know. I don't think anyone's thinking about that because you're focused on the the battle. But it'll be very sad if you lose someone and be like, "Wow, I really was an asshole to that person." <laughs> Didn't get a chance to say what you know. But well, you might have wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting point. I didn't, I didn't think about that. And speaking of prep and research, we've also said many times that we have – the players have to do the work too. Sure. Players have to chip in. And I know one thing that I have gotten very lazy on is I haven't reread up on Ioma Day in a long time. Yeah. I didn't even know how to pronounce her name. No. That's just so – You made fun of me for not knowing about boats. You can't even pronounce your guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> so I I picked up the uh, inner sea gods, inner sea deity, inner sea gods, right? Inner sea gods, inner sea gods, gods, gods guide. Which I've read plenty about Ioma Day, but I never read really the expanded, expanded stuff about the religion and the faith and the clergy and, and how it all works. And touching up on that, and it has just been really, really enlightening because you have to remember that as a paladin, you're following a very strict code. And while a lot of the stuff I read in the book, uh, I had already read before mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just the paladin code. Sometimes that code is coming out of context. You're not seeing where that code is coming from. And when you get more of Iomade's actual story, you know, the, the, the myth or the legend of her tale and what she did, it can give you guidance to make your decisions in, in in your life. And that's what Will, I think, needs to rely on. Now, that doesn't mean this decision is going to be easy. There are arguments on either side to, based on reading of the same material. But it is making me think more about it and putting me, I think, more in a zone to, to make a more well-rounded choice. And I, I think that Again, that is all part of the preparation that goes into it. And I still might be disappointed with what happens or what happens with Will. I'm not sure. But all you can do is is read as much as you can. Stay stay up to date on your character because, I mean, Will's been around for, what, 50, almost 50 episodes? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think it is. I think it's just just over 50 episodes now. And so you get you can get a little stale with any given character. Always, always reread, replenish, refresh yourselves. And this carried over. I mean, this is kind of a, a spoiler alert, but uh, we recorded disorganized play this yep. past weekend, which uh, you had tweeted out about, right? You oh, had yeah. done all social media on pictures it. up and everything. Yeah, we did uh, disorganized play this past weekend. It is currently in edit, and we. Uh, before that session, either a few days before, I just reached out to you guys and said, make sure that you are refreshing yourselves and your characters because it's been months. It's been since July that we have seen these characters or played these characters. And those few months where you're focusing, where Skid is focusing on Nestor and you're focusing on a gajillion other things. Yeah. Uh, Randolph the Gray might get lost in the mix. For sure. And even though he's only level one, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a lot of little nuances that you put on him. If I even go back and re-listen to the first couple episodes of the Glass Cannon podcast, I learned things about Lork that I forgot about, that I mentioned up front about mm-hmm. who he is and what he's about. 
You know, and I, oh, I completely forgot that. I need to remember that that's a little thing that at character creation I had said was a nuanced ca- trait of my character. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I just, just things to think about when you are in these moments where maybe things are a little quieter. You're just moving through a valley, let's say, with your gaming group. You're just traveling over a long distance and you need to do a little role play. Some people ask, how do I role play better? It's like one of the main things you can start with is knowing your character yeah. better. Really delving into who that character is. That's going to help you make decisions on how you feel about what another character is doing or what they said or what the mission is or how you're going to accomplish the mission. All of those things bring up their great fodder for conversation in your game. And they help to, like you said, for the GM, they help to put the GM in a place where he or she knows ideas come up for things to do. Yeah. Just from the players talking about those specific items. How to do it, what's the mission ahead, and how do I feel about what you are doing? The more invested the characters can... The the more invested the players can get in their actual characters, it's only going to spur the imagination of the GM to be able to incorporate all these new things they've learned about the character into the the game that they're trying to run. Yeah. So let's assume it wasn't being recorded. Uh, This is not a show for air for other listeners or anything. We're not trying to keep things as tight and as interesting as possible all the time. Uh, coming out of the Dark Passage, that last stretch there, do you think you would have been more likely to, to have an encounter in, in that stretch? Uh, or do you think you really would have just done a, a 10% chance on a, on a uh, Drake? <laughs> um, well, uh, looking at it's been probably, we say, a week since Barry uh, died. Yeah. So it's only probably been eight or nine days since you were back in the passage. My thought was that, like... The word hasn't traveled yet that the passage has been wiped out, so they haven't had time to repopulate it. Okay, uh, I think especially where you guys have spent so much time in this valley, so much time in book three, I, I would have handled it the same way um, in a in a regular non recorded session. Well, back up, obviously the sewage as we are wont to do. Yep, and then uh, the group reunites. So yeah, I just don't even know. Like you said, it's like everything's going to change from here. Yeah, I mean this is a whole new show now. This is a whole new show. When I came up with the idea for episode 100 to introduce these other characters, like this is the moment that I was really waiting for when they could all be used together. And so I'm I'm interested and excited to see how this is all going to play out. I've never quite done this in any of my games or had it happen in games. Never done well, just having that many characters. Having that many characters, NPCs. Players playing multiple characters. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really, really fun. A lot of work for all of us, but I think it's going to be great for the listeners and a lot of fun for us as we, you know, finish out book three and start a whole new book soon. Sounds good, buddy. I'm excited for it. But right now, I'd like to uh, talk about a little listener map. Oh, baby! It's time to you ever think it's wildly inappropriate that we have an every single week drop that has the word fucking in? I would be mad if we didn't. <laughs> That's the right attitude. Okay, we have a message here, or a question here, that is actually going to... To spark a, a discussion, I think, that is overdue and really interesting, especially as we prepare for Starfinder. Ooh. This question comes in from Thomas from New York, who says, I'm getting ready for my first Starfinder campaign, 
And I was curious if you guys are doing any sort of preparation for the change in genre. He's talking about moving from fantasy to sci-fi mm. and just kind of maybe some insight into what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, uh-huh. but we haven't talked too much about what you're doing to actually prepare beyond I know that you are reading the core rule book. So talk to me about Kava that. Kava. And then what else you're doing to, to prepare, not just for the rules of Starfinder, but right. for the change in genre. Yeah, you know, I, I, I never felt like I had to prepare to play Pathfinder, even when I picked it up again seven or eight years ago. It's just those fantasy themes are just always present in my head. They've been present since they were a kid. I don't think there's a lot of great movies out there that do this besides Lord of the Rings. Um, but there's so many books and whatnot. Like, it's easy to jump into a Well, and, and a lot scale. of childhood fairy tales. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of childhood fairy... A lot of Disney movies that you grew up with were castles and knights and dragons and horses and princesses. And, you know, and so there's... That whole theme is... It seems almost innate to us now, to our generation. Yeah, and I think people who don't even play RPGs could jump into... To this setting. It's just something that everyone universally kind of understands. Everyone understands knights and dragons. Whether, right. you know, my wife would get that even though she's never played and has no interest in playing. She'd be able to be like, oh, I get this. Orcs, dragons, knights. Cool. Let's play. Right. Uh, that'll never happen. But uh, <laughs> let's play that but, part. But sci fi is definitely a niche thing. You know, I think everyone has a basic understanding of sci fi, but it's, it's, it's a whole new genre that you really need to immerse yourself in if you want to get the full uh, enjoyment out of it, especially in, if we're going to play Starfinder. Um, so what I've been doing, of course, is reading the Core Rule book uh, cover to cover, which I've never done. I've never even read the Pathfinder Core Rule book. I know. Shocking. Uh, cover to cover. Wait, wait, wait. Page by page? Page or, by page. Or are you page. hopping around? No, I'm not hopping around. I'm reading it page by page, like every <laughs> wow. single spell description, every single item description I'm reading. It's like reading the dictionary. But I just, and you know, some of this information is going in one ear and falling out the other. But I just like the idea that at the end of this, every single printed word about Starfinder will have passed through my eyes and gone through my brain at least once. Yeah. And maybe, you know, in that collective unconscious, some of it will actually be retained and help uh, in when we, when we start the new show. Uh, but other than that, what else can you do? You can read books. You know, I just finished Hyperion, which you've been recommending me for years, and I yeah. can't wait to start the second one. That gets you in the zone. You know, Skid and Jason Bullman. So Hi- Hyperion by, is it Dan Simmons? I think I, it's Dan It is Dan Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. So you enjoy Oh, dude, it's unbelievable. It's so good, right? It is unbelievable, and it really gets you in the zone. There's so many terms that he uses that are right in Starfinder. That appear in the Starfinder Core Rulebook. In fact, in the back of the Core Rulebook, which we're going to talk about in a second, it's one of the books they recommend to get you in the zone. Yeah. Uh, So, so good. Highly recommend reading Hyperion. Um, And so that's that's what I'm trying to do is immerse immerse myself in literature. Immerse yourself in uh, film and TV. Skid and Jason Bullman both recommended The Expanse. Skid's been talking about The Expanse for years. Yeah. So I started watching The Expanse. Acting isn't great, but the show is amazing. It really helps get you into the zone, especially for Starfinder. Um, so, you know, that's what you can do. You can go back and watch the Aliens movies. There's, there's a countless uh, great sci-fi films to watch um, that, that get you into the zone. You can go to a museum exhibit. If you hear that there's going to be an exhibit on, like, sci-fi stuff, it, certainly it's a lot easier in New York because we have the Museum of the Moving Image. I don't think the Met is doing any sci-fi exhibits anytime soon. <laughs> no. uh, but, you know, go to those and just lo- look at look at artwork look at paint anything you can do to just get you in that zone soak it up yeah but you know what i think that the one thing that sci-fi has is and it just made me think of it when you said well you, you know you wouldn't go to the met 
there is an aspect of sci-fi that because it is the far future it it still contains the whole past as well right and there's a big element to really good fantasy sci-fi where you are digging up ancient artifacts you are looking or interacting with peoples that are either primitive or you're finding evidence of a formerly uh, of an, uh, an entire society that was extinct right yeah. and so looking uh, going to a place like the met or um maybe not well a natural history museum that has a good anthropology exhibit sure. where it's like cultures is i think a really neat way that you can st- still prepare for Starfinder because if you're looking at like old you know clay spears and, and things that were dug up and found or religious iconography symbols uh, ways of dressing that are very different and odd all of those elements come into sci-fi role-playing sci-fi fantasy role-playing because if you think about Star Wars if you think about Star Trek like the various different levels of not only technology but of dress and culture that you interact with are I think much more numerous than what you get in just in Galarian. You know, Galarian seems to mimic in a lot of ways the Middle Age era of Earth. You know, the, those societies are sort of Middle Ages into Renaissance. Obviously, those uh, eras are they're very relatable. They're very uh, allegorical to our Earth and, the, and our history. But mm-hmm. once you get into sci-fi, it's like all bets are off. Right. You can do whatever you want in terms of interesting different cultural artifacts and stuff like that so yeah i think that there's a lot to be said for looking into the past to prep for your sci-fi as well for sure i mean sci-fi isn't all uh, starships and lots of beeping lights and lots of mechanisms it's also like landing on a planet and like sifting through the sand and finding an artifact yeah. you know it, it doesn't always have to be so disconnected from our past or our present and and that's what i'm really excited about especially having read the adventure path i mean i don't think you guys will have any problem and, and by you guys i mean you guys and the audience of of getting into this you know and yeah. some people get nervous it's like ah giant lizards with gatling guns and insect people that can communicate with their mind oh, yeah, no, that that's not my jam right uh, give me an orc give me an elf that's that's where week. you guys are going to come in and where i'm going to come in to have to breathe life into these characters and not make them seem so distant and weird right and uh, hey look i'm one of those people when we started talking about starfinder i was like i don't want to do it i don't i don't want to do it because mm-hmm. i'm not as immersed into sci-fi i like sci-fi i grew up on star wars and star trek the next generation i love those i love those things but like and Firefly as well. I loved Firefly, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't really, when it comes to my role playing, and this is what um, Mark said, our GM, our terrific GM at Gen Con who ran us through Starfinder, he's like, I like my board games sci-fi and my role playing games fantasy. Yeah. And I completely get that point of view. So you talked me into it. You're like, we really should do Starfinder for many different reasons. The least of which is, if you really look at the grand scheme of the entertainment landscape, what people enjoy watching, sci-fi is every bit as big as, uh, as fantasy, if not bigger, which to me is kind of a strange dichotomy because you're talking about uh, people having more of an innate understanding of fantasy themes and fantasy elements without ever having to, you know, read the Wheel of Time series. Right. But, and they would might be more distant from sci-fi concepts, and yet overall in general, I mean... Star Wars is going to is going to be more relatable to more people in our modern society than Lord of the Rings, yeah, I think. It's true. So there is a lot of uh, sci-fi that really connects with people and it is about bridging that gap 
so to speak, <laughs> uh, which is a, a theme, a, a concept in Starfinder that I don't want to get too far into right now because I have read it, but I don't think you have yet because if you're really, truly reading cover to cover, the uh, storyline, the actual world build is towards the end of the core rule book. Have you even touched on it yet or are you still just on mechanics? Well, I've, I've got into it in reading The Adventure Path. Ah, uh, okay. The back matter there tells a lot uh, more about that, but I haven't got to that part in the core rulebook. See, book. so that was the first part I read <laughs> I in the know, core yeah, rulebook. Yeah. I went right to the world build, right to the fantasy, so I could see where we are and what's happening. Without going into too much detail, there is a, they call it the gap, and the, a big period of time that is missing from people's memories. Yeah. Where this leap to this high technology world came from out of the Pathfinder world, we don't quite know, and I imagine that's going to be something that is going to want to be investigated or figured out as part of the story of us playing this game. Yeah, I mean, if you are playing Starfinder or planning to play Starfinder, the one thing that you have to read in its entirety is that lore section in the core rulebook. You have to. You can't skim around it. You should know that. You should you should go into your session zero understanding how this world came about. Right. It's going to just make your playing experience so much richer having that information. And you know, as as you were talking right there, it made me think another thing you could do is play these sci-fi board games. Look at the games we play: Android Netrunner, yeah, Eclipse, I, Race for the Galaxy. I started playing more Eclipse. That was yeah. one of the things that you know, Race for the Galaxy recently came out with an iOS app. So you can play Race for the Galaxy against AI on your own, on your commute, or, I mean, if you're not driving, and and, and get more of those games in. I just, I love it. I love Race for the Galaxy. And that's a great themed game to get in the zone about, you know, just different ways of building galactic empires and stuff like that. And you can play it in 15 minutes. Yeah, and and Android Netrunner, we've talked about a million times, that really gets you into the zone because this is going to cover that as well. There's Androids, there's augmentation, there's hacking into systems and whatnot. You should be reading Neuro you should be reading Snow Crash as well as like classic, you know, sci-fi novels. Um, yeah, read Cyberpunk as well. I mean, that's what gets me. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting so excited. Just <laughs> exactly. That's that's the whole reason that I think this kind of stuff helps to bridge the gap. They also cover it, and you mentioned this a few minutes ago. They cover it in the Starfinder Core Rulebook. You go to the back of the book, page five hundred and sixteen. Yep, it's page 516, and you're going to see inspirational media, an entire couple pages of very fine print that says everything that contributed in one way or another to the thematic elements of this world. All these augmentations, all this hacking. Yep, there it is. William Gibson, Neuromancer, right, right, listed right there. Yeah. So I started looking at this, and I went and I watched uh, a movie I had never seen, Aeon Flux. I had oh. never seen it, and it was on Amazon Prime. So I, I checked it out. Very interesting, different, not exactly my favorite, but it was good. It was uh, a neat character, neat story. Uh, and so, you know, as long as it's free, I recommend it. Check it out. Uh, it helps you get in the zone. Did you ever watch Aeon Flux when it was on, like, liquid no. television? No, I didn't know like, anything about it. Oh, that was weird. I remember watching You'd watch it in little tiny uh, clips, and then the next week it would pick up from the end of the clip and then give you a little bit more. It was very cool. Uh, one of the things I want to rewatch, and this isn't, and this will give you an example of something that you can watch that isn't necessarily based in the kind of like giant lizards flying around space shooting uh, laser laser pistols is uh, District 9. Like District 9 huh. is listed in here and I haven't watched that since it came out. So I want to go back and re-watch that even though it takes place on Earth, even though it's, it, it has to do with alien interaction and how we do these diplomatic things. That is going to come up in uh, in our Starfinder game. I have 
I have no doubt. Uh, I, I read the, the Expanse book one. I read the first book of The Expanse instead of watching the show. And now I've just started uh, watching the show. Mm. And, man, it looks great. And it's just uh, the story I knew already. And the story is great. Yeah. So uh, that, I think, is a really good, uh, really good one to do. And actually, the book that I'm reading right now, I have never heard of. And I got out of the inspirational media on, uh, in the Starfinder Core rulebook. It is Hop on Pop. That must be a tough one for you, Oh, man. Do you know how many times I've read that book now out loud? (laughs) (sighs) It's called The Commonwealth Saga by Mm. Peter F. Hamilton. Mm. He's a British writer. It's two books, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's only two books. I think they're both very long from what I can tell because I'm reading on a Kindle, so it's hard to exactly tell how big it is. But I think it's pretty large, but it's really interesting, very much expanse-like in that it is set in a... It is set in our in Earth and and the solar system's future, uh, and just really neat stuff with uh, who is occupying what areas and and but they have spread far and wide to planets light years away, and they have all this sort of faster than light travel options, wormholes, and uh, it's really uh, really good so far. I'm I'm digging it, but I haven't I don't know, I'm not even halfway through, so I'll have to come back on on that. But I pulled it right out of this recommendation here, and I need to get more of that kind of. Media. I'm also listening to stuff as well. I'm listening to some of our our friends out there. Nerds on Earth is doing the Drift, mm-hmm. a, uh, a Starfinder podcast, which I've listened to Skid on a couple times. I've mm-hmm. listened to some of their character creation stuff, uh, classes and races, just to kind of familiarize myself with what we're going to be working on. And now they just started releasing an actual play uh, on that channel of, uh, I believe it's uh, Starfinder Society that mm-hmm. they're doing. And that has been really enlightening for me, too, just to see a little bit about how the mechanics work, learn a little bit more about Absalom Station that's what it's called, right? Absalom uh-huh. Station. Yeah. Uh, learn a little more about Absalom Station. These kind of things are going to help to, like you said, there's no point in going to that session zero without having a good idea of the lore of the world. And this is definitely going to help me get there. Uh, also, I have to shout out to our, our friends at the Boards Alive podcast who started, uh, who released a Star Trek uh, role-playing actual play. Uh, they just started playing that, and I listened to a little bit of that, too, and that was really neat. You have the captain of the ship, you have the engineering officer, you have the science officer, and they're going out and, you know, uh, tracking down a, a, a distress beacon. What is there? Who is it? What is going to happen? You know, and it's just, it gets you in the mode to learn, relearn exactly how to, you have to start learning how to role play again from scratch because you're bringing yeah. it into such a new environment. You know, it's, it's one thing to learn the mechanics. Anybody can learn the mechanics and start playing the game. It's another thing to immerse yourself in all the limitless uh, cultural supplies out there to get you in the zone. It's just going to make for a much better experience. And that's why we didn't launch the Starbinder podcast, you know, uh, already at the beginning of September because we want to do all this preparation so that we really uh, give our fans something special to listen to every single week. Well, I do actually have a question that I want to ask you guys. Actually, Me? Uh, <laughs> no, not you, Lavalley. Uh, I want to ask uh, probably my Reddit crew mainly. Uh, you guys, uh, I'm looking for something inspirational to read or watch that is going to help me get a better understanding of the science of science fiction. So this might seem like a little dry, but I kind of, as I'm, I have a character that I'm sort of putting together for uh, our Starfinder game. It's not even close to complete, but I'm, I'm building a foundation here and I want to know more about the science of sci-fi. So I know that there's stuff out there about 
the things that make Star Trek work. And a lot of these things that Ray Bradbury wrote about, I mean, came out of actual science and actual theory about fusion, cold fusion, and uh, faster than light travel, all this kind of stuff. I wonder if there's like a, a, a highly readable or watchable thing that can teach me more about the terminology that they use, a, a tachyon beam or a this, that, or the other thing, what those things mean and how they work phys- physically, like the, the physics of sci-fi because it's something I want to know more about and I just don't really and I started rewatching actually Star Trek the Next Generation is on Netflix huh. it's come up on Netflix so I started rewatching some of those just to kind of familiarize myself but it really does sound like a lot of mumble jumble to me when they start getting into the science talk I know that there were like coffee table books back in the day about this kind of stuff but I just wonder if there's anything out there you guys know uh, that's really fun uh, to either read listen to or watch I downloaded for example Neil deGrasse Tyson's very short audio book called uh, Astrophysics for Busy People or something like that, or <laughs> Astrophysics for People without that Don't Have Time. And I started listening to that, and it's, it's, it's very much so like astrophysics. It isn't, doesn't get into too much like science fiction. So I just kind of want to bridge that gap between what our most advanced scientific theories are now and how they relate to a science fantasy world so that I can be more conversant in those terms. When in doubt, Joe, just Google Technobabble Generator and there's a website with that just you just refresh the page and it gives you a bunch of uh, <laughs> like just babble. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's a couple what? examples. If we clean the muon circuit, it will increase the efficiency of the nanotech singularity power converter. <laughs> we need to harmonize the multispatial accelerator. <laughs> I'm detecting an unusual gamma wave signature in the Higgs bubble system. <laughs> Dude, I sat for a half an hour the other day just laughing and laughing. And refreshing <laughs> that is the amazing. <laughs> How do people come up with this stuff? It's li- I mean, I've never seen any of them repeated because they just keep flipping them and flipping them. Flipping them. <laughs> That's great. That is so awesome. There's a slight temperature variance in the tors- <laughs> torsional centrifuge. <laughs> Who needs to know what it really means? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Anyway, if you guys have any idea about that, I'd appreciate it. But now I want to kick it over to Troy because it is time to uh, to deal with some contests. We've got to wrap up a couple of contests. There's been two outstanding contests. One was the Keswick Crest Contest. Oh, man, that's a long time ago. And the other one was Show Me Your Loot Sheet. <laughs> Show Me Your Loot Sheet. Now, with the Keswick Crest, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I hired someone to create a Keswick Crest, and I didn't like it. And uh, the person wasn't willing to like keep doing more iterations of it because uh, I didn't want to pay them For more. free. I just got <laughs> like, oh, this person isn't going to get it. So I wanted to put it out to the fans and see what they come up with. And we got a ton of amazing crests. Now, I got to be honest, full disclosure, at the end of the day, I'm not going to end up using any of them. Um, I wanted to take it. Well, there were a lot of different reasons. There was a lot of different reasons. I mean, they were all great classic crests. And at the end of the day, I wanted something a little more rock and roll. Yeah. But, I mean, you should see some of these crests. Maybe we should put them up online. I mean, there are some amazing crests. And people went into great detail of, like, what this means, what that means, what this means. I mean, really, really great stuff. And at the end of the day, I couldn't even pick a winner if I was going to use it for for merchandise or for as the official Yeah, I think that that was the main thing we came up against was, like, we found it hard to translate it exactly into, like, Good merchandise, something yeah. that would be simple and fun to wear, uh, or you know, or put on a hat or a hoodie or something. It just didn't seem to to work. It was a little too. Some of the really great ones, there was just almost too much to to have it translate into a simple shirt. They look like real crests, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which exactly. is great. I mean, I guess I should have been a little more. Uh clear that we wanted something a little sexier i think i said sexy i like to use yeah, but i think that maybe the, the fact is that we just can't r- find something right right now that works that's I w- all i wish i could draw but <laughs> i can't but it, 
That being said, we still got to pick a winner. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, I, I, I'm not going to just have a contest and be like, no one won. Ha <laughs> ha. So the winner is going to get their choice of a pocket book. Uh, not an actual pocket book that you wear around <laughs> your uh, shoulder, but one of the uh, three that we have right now. I think it's the Game Mastery Guide, the Advanced Player's Guide, and the Bestiary, I believe. Okay. Yep. So the winner is going to get their choice. So I took all the names of the people that submitted Keswick Crest, put them in a hat, and I'm going to pick one right now. All right. All right. Here we go. A random drawing. Drum roll, please. <laughs> All right, we got a winner, Joe. The winner is Kai Ehrlich. Kai Ehrlich? Kai Ehrlich, what a badass name. Is that a character name? That sounds name? like a character name. I was just going to say. You were supposed to send in your real name, Kai, not your cool character Seriously. name. Is that your tiefling rogue? <laughs> Kai Ehrlich. Uh, well, congratulations, Kai. Um, I want to look at that crest, too, because I'm sure it was great. We didn't get a single crest, and I was like, oh, that's garbage. They were all really, really good. So congratulations, Congratulations, Kai. Kai. Now let's go on to Show Me Your Loot Sheet. The goal with Show Me Your Loot Sheet is I... I just feel like we've never done loot really, really well. Yeah, it's we have a, a really dumpy-looking spreadsheet. Dumpy-looking spreadsheet, so I wanted to see how other people did it. And you know what I discovered, Joe? No one has a better solution. <laughs> oh, people either had Troy. like a way better spreadsheet than us, but still just the spreadsheet, or like a very complex... Uh, work-heavy way of doing it where they would, like, draw on cards and create... We had a bunch of people that, like, draw cards uh, and hand them to the players, which I thought was really, really cool, but the last thing we need is more work on our plate. Yeah. Uh, and we have no uh, resident artists in the group. Um, so... I'm just going to pick one of those people, too. No one really blew me away. And we're not going to uh, change what we're doing not going to change what we're doing, but again can't not give away a signed copy of Bestiary 6. This is the hardcover is going to the winner of Show Me Your Loot Sheet. All right. Even though you didn't really win. <laughs> We're having fun. We're having fun. All right, so I've got another a, drum roll. Another <laughs> list here. All right, I crumpled, I crumpled these oh, ones up. Uh, sorry, hold, hold, please. Oh, all right, the winner is Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Eric Larson. I know that name. Son of a gun. I think I've seen emails from Eric Larson. You showed me your loot sheet, <laughs> and I wasn't impressed. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm sure it was great. They were all great. They're all better than ours, that's for sure. It's just I wanted something that could really streamline our process. That we could use. Yeah, I know. I'd still, I'd still like to hear if someone has a really great idea on how to do it. Um, <laughs> but we're not going to give you shit. We're not going to give you anything. For it. <laughs> so congratulations, Kai and Eric. Congratulations, guys. Well done. Um, but yeah, man. What's next? Pax Unplugged? Pax Unplugged! <laughs> Coming right around the corner, just about a month away here. And uh, yeah. we're going to be doing another live show Friday night at the Dragon Theater, 7.30 p.m., live on Twitch. Yep. You can tune in on there to check it out. On so the that's Pax Twitch channel, which is On the is Pax insane. Twitch channel, that's coming up. And we're, we're uh, working right now on uh, some other fun stuff to do while we're there. We're yeah. the... Um, the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. For lack of a better word, uh, for like some other fun things that we can get going on with you guys. Whoever's there, whoever's able to make it. Yep, and we're going to have a uh, little get-together after the uh, Dragon Theater show. Yep, there's um, that. So I'll be announcing the location of that place soon once we uh, secure one that is adequate for GCP Nation. Um, and, you know, we're not going to be able – this is <laughs> so kind of an announcement. Lincoln Financial So Lincoln, we're going to do the link. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to be able to do the traditional GCP retreat that we started last year. We realized this, like, there's just not enough time yeah. with PAX Unplugged to do it. So what we decided is we're going to do it at PAX Unplugged. That's yep, going to be the that's GCP That's going to be our retreat. retreat. So we got a sick Airbnb, and we're going to do videos all weekend. We're going to try and get some Twitches in as well. I mean, it's definitely not going to be the shit show that it was last year. Uh, <laughs> but it's going to be a good time, and uh, if we do any giveaways, we'll do them the right way. <laughs> 
guarantee it. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. We will see you in just a few days for episode 125. Oh. Everything's about to change. <laughs> oh.